Sean and Brad as they talk about sports and share a beer. From the east coast of Canada to the west coast of the United States. Over to you boys. Everybody, what's good with you? Uh, Brad, guys, beer sports with me as always, Sean Ballancourt. Brad Tesh coming to you from, well, the United States. I'm in the Midwest today. Uh, Sean's still in Toronto, as you may have noticed, based on his locale. Sean, looking fresh today. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, looking forward to our interview. That Well, my, you know, I, I ended up doing it there, but uh, that's because of scheduling uh, conflicts. But that's, that's how we're going to jump in. We're going to throw him under the bus <laughs> just like that to, to start it. <laughs> You're a busy man, Brad. I mean, that's not running you under the bus, is it? <laughs> no, not running under the bus at all. You know, Brad. Brad's a busy man. Brad has five children, and he's a dedicated father. So, I mean, hats off to this man. This is a this is and a great a human being. Yeah, Thank you know, you. and he looks so fresh. And he looks so fresh. I'm living yeah. out of a suitcase right now, and I still look like this. What's your excuse? I look great anyway. all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> are you a, are you a, you're an honorary Tesh? That's it. Uh, hey man, uh, we we have a great interview with Emmanuel McGirt, uh, offensive tackle with uh, the Edmonton Elks, and of course an alumni of the North Carolina State Wolfpack. So looking forward to that. Uh, Coming up here in a minute. That's right. But before all that, I wanted to get your reaction to the NBA trade deadline, Brad. I thought there were some fascinating things that happened. Uh, I'll tell you that. A lot of movement from teams that I think don't typically move. Uh, the trade deadline, like the Mavericks and the Trailblazers were involved. And so, you know, I think it really reset the lane for what it is. I'm really excited for this Brooklyn Nets trade. You got that James Harden was a, a good fit. Uh, I mean, they were going to win. I mean, they played 16 games together with Kyrie, Katie, and James Harden. I think they were 13-3 in those games. Uh, James just isn't motivated, I think, like uh, they would have hoped. So, and a motivated Ben Simmons makes them better. So that'll be an interesting matchup to watch. Hopefully they meet the playoffs. I think that'd be a fun series. Will James Harden I will think... with a Katie and... Yeah. You know? I mean, I think I think they'll still make the playoffs. I I don't know if they're going to make any noise in it, but who? You know. which, which team now? The Nets. You don't think the Nets are going to make any noise if they have a healthy Kevin Durant? Do you think he's going to be healthy though by the playoffs? Yeah. Oh yeah, we got three months still. Yeah, I mean, if he's healthy, if you have a healthy Kevin Durant, then yeah, they're going to make some noise. But uh, right now, where they're sitting, it's like they're in a play-in division. Along with uh, the Raps, you know, Celtics hey, right now. Are... Speaking of the Raptors, did you see the uh, little dust-up between Patrick Beverly and my favorite Raptor, Gary Trent Jr.? Yeah, what's going on there, eh? There was apparently just some bad blood from previously, and so Gary Trent walked down to the Minnesota sideline and used all their talk powder and their shoe mats, and that was frowned upon by Patrick Beverly, so they received double technical fouls before the jump ball. It's been a while a while since we've seen free jump ball tech fouls. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking maybe he was upset that he got traded away from the Clippers there. So yeah, it was earlier. I just, they, those two go back and forth. When they were in the Clippers and Gary was in uh, 
Portland, they have some basketball too. So it's not For a sure. new rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Portland obviously has stated that we're not doing anything this season, so they trade away all their good talent. You know, um, not all their good talent. Sir. You hold on to one. That's it. But the one, though, right? I mean, yeah. But what are you going to do with that? Like, uh, I don't know. I, I, is there a lot of signings coming Portland's way? I don't know. Like, I don't know how they're going to make this work well, here. They cleared sixty million dollars in cap space for the summer. Yeah. Well, that's exactly it, right? Because I mean, you know, there's 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 going to be some catches, but I mean, you know, like, uh, how, how are you building this team? I guess what it comes down to it. You know, um, it just seems it just seemed a little it just seemed a little weird, especially getting rid of McCollum. Uh, I understood why they got rid of uh, uh, Norm Powell because you know he had a little bit of injuries and it's just like you know not performing to the level that they thought. I guess so. Well, they were paying DJ McCollum as an actual you know, all star. DJ had never been an all star. Yeah, they were making the same money. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, interesting I, mean, I love DJ and, and Norman, you know, but I think this is the move better than yeah. a full reset next year. Now the 76ers, did they get better with James Harden? James, are they going to get? What's that? That's the question. The question is, what James are they going to get? That's the move, right? Well, that's it. Which it's, James yeah. that they end up with? You know, the James Harden that left Brooklyn. You know, the last weeks of his tenure there didn't seem to be glowing. After a Utah game, he made a detour to Vegas and then was late for the Clippers game and he had four points in. And then went to Houston in the off day between there and Minnesota and then didn't play when he arrived in Minnesota, arrived late for the game. Yeah. You know. But then magically got healthy. So I don't know if you saw the, uh, did you happen to see the end of the uh, you're now the two captains for the All-Star Team 16? Yeah, that's right. That's the format. Yeah, and then with James Harden being picked last. Yeah, and they're both chuckling yeah. about it there, LeBron yeah, and uh, came, Durant. Came down, yeah, it came down to Durant having to choose between uh, Mr. Dur- Mr. Harden and somebody else. I thought that was funny. It was kind of funny. It was, it was funny. I mean, that's where you're at, though, right? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, well, it's, it's going to be... Post All Star break, which is I think is this weekend, uh, I think you'll really start to see the division ramp up. The East is definitely the strongest division, and uh, you know, Phoenix oh, easily. Phoenix is definitely the best team. Warriors is right behind them. I mean, the Grizzlies are scaring everybody. I mean, what a good team yeah. that is too. But yeah, I mean, after that, it's a it's a huge drop off. It's a huge drop off after that. Where yeah. in the East, everybody is like, you're fighting tooth and nail in there because there's so much talent. Yep. But anyways, um, absolutely, yeah, you're right. NBA All-Star is happening right now, so uh, this weekend. Hey, so can you turn your head to the side again? Are you wearing earrings? Do you have earrings on? You just, you just recognize that right now? Yeah, I got my little, yeah, 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 yeah. Look at you, Sean. Turning back the hands of time. <laughs> I actually, uh, I almost put 
some studs back in uh, right before I left to come on this trip. But uh, what I went to get him out of the jewelry box, I think my girls had been in there, and I only could find one, so I left him out. But I almost, I almost started mine too. We should have talked about this. We could have coordinated. Coordinated, that's exactly it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, without further ado, let's get to this interview. Yeah, sounds great, everyone. Uh, Emmanuel McGirt, offensive tackle, Edmonton Elks. Right, Edmonton Elks. You got it. Damn. Look at me learning stuff. Hey, everybody. I am so excited for our very special guest here, Mr. Emmanuel McGirt. Emmanuel McGirt is going to be playing his first season coming up uh, on the Edmonton Elks, uh, coming up here in the CFL. Uh, also, very accomplished college uh, football player as well, offensive lineman. And the funny thing is, is that I met Emmanuel walking in downtown Toronto, uh, these three giant-sized men. And I'm not a small guy myself, but these three giant-sized men are walking by. I'm seeing them in Edmonton Elks equipment, like like, uh, uh, sweatpants, sweat gear, everything. And I'm like, hey, are you guys uh, playing football? uh, Your other two buddies that walked away, they were hungry. And you actually took time to talk to me and my friend there, Daniel. And so I really appreciate it. Uh, and yeah. uh, that was awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here we are, right? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, right now we look like we're the same size. And it's it's like it's it's completely Zoom uh, Zoom editing. I don't know. It's like Emmanuel is 6'5". And you got to be close to what, 300 now or... Um, about six, five and a half, three, 20. Yeah, about three, 20. Wow. 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 <laughs> Man, but, what a, uh, but what a gentle, what a gentle person you were on the street. Take that time to talk to us. Uh, just a great demeanor about you. And, uh, I, yeah, well, I, I'm so happy that, uh, we ended up following each other on Twitter and, uh, Man, I'm 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 excited. You're going to be playing in the CFL coming up, but it's been a long it's been a long road for you. Uh, uh, first off, what got you into football? I mean, I know every American plays football, right? <laughs> but like, yeah. but like, what I mean, got I, you? I've been playing football. Yeah, I've been playing football my whole life, man. I started playing for the Bull City Lions in the fourth grade. Um, my parents kind of always just threw us in every sport. I I played baseball, tennis, basketball, football, soccer. Just playing a lot of sports and kind of fell in love with the game um, really early on. I uh, started playing for the Bull City Lions and I played for the Durham Eagles and then, you know, continued to play in middle school and high school. So just a young kid playing sports. So that's how I ended up playing Where, football. When did you end up concentrating on the position that you play now? Like, was that early yeah. on or? Uh, I'd probably say it was in high school. Um, I was honestly, I probably loved basketball a little more in ninth grade. I I, uh, I made the varsity basketball team, so that was like a big deal. And I was like, okay, I guess we're going to the NBA. But <laughs> but uh, as high school kind of progressed, I realized, you know, there are not a lot of six five centers in the NBA. So um, I kind of went on the football field, and my high school coach really pushed me to play offensive tackle. And honestly, up until that point, like I said, I kind of played football, but, it, you know, I wasn't really, you know, going out there and trying to, you know, actually do something with it. And then – um, in 10th grade, <clears throat> we had a couple guys on our team that were highly recruited. And there was a Clemson coach that came to one of the games. And in 10th grade, I, I it was our playoff game. And um, 
I started the last game and you know, I was this big, tall, lanky, skinny guy, <clears throat> probably about like 230. Wasn't that, you know, wasn't that heavy, but I had good feet. Um, I went out there, you know, kind of did my thing and, you know, I just started getting noticed and I was like, okay, maybe, maybe I could do something with this. And I kind of just ran from there with it. So that's how I really got into it. Wow. And, and, and honestly, on the offensive, on the offensive line, to me, that's an unheralded position, but it's probably one of the most important positions if you're going to get any offense done as yeah. uh, like in any football in order to create lanes, in order to protect the quarterback, uh, all that good stuff. Uh, so when you were playing in high school it, and, and just out of curiosity, which high school was that again there? I played at Hillside High School in Durham, North Carolina. In Durham. So- and so when you were playing high school, what was the uh, – did you guys go to the state championships there or – I mean, so I came from a, a pretty good high school program. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get an opportunity to play in the state championship. But we – my last year, we, we lost in the state semifinals. So the game right before the state championship. So right um, was very close. Um, we had a – but, you know, we had a pretty good high school team. We were definitely one of the top programs in the state. For sure. For sure. I mean, high school football in the U.S. is is huge, gigantic. I mean, a lot of Canadians don't really, I don't think they appreciate the, the enormous <laughs> production that is a high school football game. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big deal. Like, I mean, like in, in Durham, I mean, it was almost like a, a party every Friday night. Like people from all over Durham would come to the games and it, it was it, it was a big deal, a big celebration and There'd be a lot of fans out there, you know, people from the community in the area. And it was a big deal. We had fresh f- uh, fish fries at the game and stuff like that and the bands playing and stuff. So people took people took the game serious. <laughs> uh, how was your how was your uh, travel then up to college? Because you ended up playing for North Carolina State, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. So in, in high school, um, kind of developed, honestly, like. You know, my wildest dreams happened. Um, you know, I never thought I would be this, you know, big time recruit or whatever in high school. And, you know, that kind of, you know, manifested itself. And, um, you know, I had a lot of opportunities across the country um, to play, you know, Georgia or, you know, Florida, all these big schools. But my mom had actually got sick um, and my parents lived in Durham. And, um, you know, NC State was recruiting me really, really hard. And, you know, I really, you know, I really enjoyed the program and the coaches. So. Um, that's where I ended up staying. With. So I actually went to NC State, which is like literally 15 minutes from my house. So oh, I stayed wow. close. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not far at all. So I ended up going to NC State. And, you know, I definitely enjoyed my time there for sure. Right. I've been in North Carolina mm-hmm. my whole life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You were redshirted your first season in, if I'm not mistaken, right? You, you were redshirted yes, right away. Yep. Yeah. I, I saw, So I got there and, you know, it was honestly – was expected to potentially play as a freshman. And then, you know, you know, as you know, when you get there, some guys are ready and some guys aren't. I wasn't physically ready. And on top of that, uh, we had a good offensive lineman there at the time playing left tackle. And I got a chance to, you know, stay behind him that year. But uh, Joe Tooney, who starts for the Chiefs at guard, he was the left tackle. So we had some pretty good old linemen. So, you know, they didn't want to throw me in the fire too early. So I ended up registering. Do you appreciate that, I guess? Or was it hard at first? Um, it, it wasn't hard, to be honest. I mean, I, I definitely appreciated it, um, having that, you know, a year to really understand and, you know, grow in the weight room. And, you know, the next year I had a, a lot of big expectations, but, 
you know, honestly, after that first year, those following two years, I actually had two season-ending injuries. So <laughs> that next year, I was expected to start as a redshirt freshman, and um, my knee blew out that summer. Um, and I kind of put – I we didn't have that many offensive linemen at the time, so I kind of pushed through it, played in the first couple of games, and ended up getting surgery and missed that season. And then I actually came back and broke my foot the next year and missed that season. So within my first three years of college, I had two season-ending injuries. So. There was definitely a lot of adversity. <laughs> For sure. You know, in my first few years in college, yeah. Yeah. Um, moving on towards that then, I mean, obviously the, the, the goal would obviously be try to play in the NFL, right? But then um, we were just talking beforehand, you were talking about COVID on your pro day and, and such. And I, I'd like you to elaborate on that there. No, no, yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, um, I honestly, like I said, I, I had a lot of injuries in the beginning of my college career, and I, I kind of waited um, to play. Um, I actually didn't really play a lot until my last year. My last year, I got a chance to start um, and, you know, kind of did my thing. Didn't give up any sacks. I started like eight games. Um, and after that season, you know, I was okay. I'm about to just kill this pro day and, you know, try to nail myself an opportunity. And then, you know, COVID hit, um, which was extremely, you know, traumatic. You know, just I was like, dang, you know, I went through all this stuff in college. And here we are at the end. I can't even get like, you know, the traditional ending that everybody gets. We have a pro day and things like that of sort. But, you know, um, I just remained faithful and just kept working. So um, after the draft, well, before the draft, I probably got maybe like three or four calls. Um, I played in the, the Tropical Bowl, which is one of the senior bowls. It's like five senior bowls. I played in one of them. I'm in Florida, um, met with some teams down there, um, you know, got a couple calls from some teams before the draft. And then the last, not you know, the last day of the draft, obviously I knew I wasn't going to get drafted, but I, you know, I knew there was, you know, a slim chance that I could possibly get signed. Um, and, you know, one team <clears throat> didn't call me, but they did reach out to my agent the next day. And, you know, they, they alerted me if they had a, um, a, um, a rookie minicamp <clears throat> that I would be going for the Cleveland Browns. Um, and then that many camp didn't happen because of COVID. So um, didn't have an opportunity to have a pro day. And that pro day would have been a big deal for me because, you know, with my injuries and things like that, I needed to show the scouts that, you know, I was 100% healthy and things like that. So it was definitely, you know, an, an uphill battle, not having an opportunity to really show what I was working on. So that, you know, it was definitely mentally hard, but um, here I am. So God is good. And, you know, I still kept pushing through it and I'm fighting for every opportunity. So. What, what kept you centered throughout all that? Because in the end, you're still going to be able to play professional football coming up this season, you know, in Canada, which I, I want to touch on. But what kept you going through all of that? What, what kept you centered and grounded? Because a lot of people do tailspin when things happen. So I just want to know. No, no, for sure. I mean, I'll definitely say, you know, my family for one. Well, I mean, obviously God, but you know, my family kind of created that foundation for me. My dad is actually a preacher. Um, and, you know, they really, uh, really just built that foundation in me. To, you know, when, you know, when you're not strong or when you are weak, that's when you're stronger because that's when you can look on to God and, you know, really count on him. Um, so I just stayed, you know, I just stayed grounded, stayed in my word, um, friends, family, my girlfriend, um, just, just looking to people for support. Um, and just, you know, like I said, just staying grounded and staying in my word and looking to God for strength find it as a as a faith-based athlete as a christian athlete because like i i'm in the military and being faith-based 
you know, you're, you're surrounded because in the military, it's the same, I would imagine, as in the locker room. You got all sorts of talk going on. How would you deal with it when you were in that environment in order to, like, just stay centered? In terms of people being, like, negative or people just Well, negative. Anything? I mean, you know, there's always, like, you know, like the locker room talk, you know, and... and yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you know, God, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, guys are going to be guys. I mean, we definitely still have that locker room talk of those conversations. But, you know, I mean, really it's just trying to just be that light and just show people, you know, kind of show Christ through the way you live um, and through the way you love people. You know, like I know, you know, a lot of my friends, even now we have Bible studies, you know, we're meeting, you know, talking in the mornings, you know, just sending them Bible verses, things like that, you know, just just loving on people, really. Man. Yeah, I think, I think that's the most important thing too, right, is just being able to show who you are, like you know, that that light that that Christ gives you, like that 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 whole entire thing. Who you are in amidst of all that, because you know it's easy. It's easy if you were going to go ahead and just you know be completely depressed and everything that's happening. But to, you know, to know that there's something bigger or an opportunity, uh, that's that's yeah. amazing. And now you're going to be starting for the Edmonton Elks. I mean, this has got to be. You're playing professional football. It's, you know, it's no joke, no, and, no, and especially in Edmonton, yeah. where they're crazy about their football. It's no, for sure. No, I mean, it's it's, it's a blessing, man. Um, after so, I spent a year out of football actually because I came out like I said, 2020, but that whole year was just a dud basically. But I played in this developmental league called the Spring League, which a lot of guys play in and get opportunities and. I actually played in one game. Um, so the spring league is like weeks upon weeks that you're there. Um, and they actually, they asked me to come down in the beginning, but I declined because I had just started my new job. And in some ways I was kind of not done with football, but kind of looking towards, okay, hey, you know, life might have to start for me. Um, and the last week, the head coach, Peter Voss, called me and said, look, we have this offensive tackle. He just got signed by an NFL team. We need a guy to play this last week. Um, so, you know, I was like, hey, I'm your guy. So I, I, I literally flew down there the next day <laughs> and practiced for a whole week and played in the spring league for that that, that last game. Did pretty well. Um, and Edmonton called me a couple weeks later. And then next thing you know, I'm in Canada. So it's definitely a crazy journey. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'm thankful for, you know, for every – for every inch and every step, you know, it's definitely um, molded me into the man that, you know, I'm supposed to be. Now, the thing is, that, like, you know, I, I know there's a few of my American friends, they dog on the CFL. I'm huge about the CFL because to me, it's an yeah. identity, you know. Uh, yeah. yeah, we have the Rouge. We have three downs so fields wider and longer. Yeah. But the thing is, though, is that um, the CFL is almost like a – it's as important to me as, as it is as hockey because it's like it's an identity. It's an identity for Canadians. And then you look at some of the talent that's come out of the CFL going up to the NFL. I mean, no joke. I mean, there are some people that have come out of here and have become legitimate superstars, you know? No, for sure. I mean, if, if, if people, you know, disrespect the CFL, then they just don't know football. I mean, because at the end of the day, football is football, and they're like – there's some good players, and, you know, coming from NC State, I've seen a lot of, you know, good players um, that are doing well in the NFL. So, I mean, I, I can definitely have somewhat of a gauge of, you know, who's who and, you know, the talent-wise. But 
I mean, there are guys who are in the CFL who are just as good, if not better, than some NFL players. Um, it's just a lot of politics that are surrounded around around these leagues. But the CFL has talent, and they're they're definitely good players in the CFL for sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, are, are so. My only thing is that you're not playing for my Argonauts, but that's okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. Uh, but yeah. the thing is, though, is that you know you're 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 going to be playing in Edmonton. The West goes crazy for CFL football. I mean, I know that. I know Toronto because there's so many sports that are in Toronto. It gets caught up in in it all. But there's still they they still people are still show up to the games. You know. Uh, yeah. Montreal, they, they've always had their problems in the last little bit, but there's still like avid people coming down there. It's just weird. Cause it's all in French. It's just like, you know. yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, you'll see, you'll <laughs> see. <laughs> but like, you know, um, with the CFL, was it, was it something getting used to like now three downs, um, uh, what is this rouge? What is, what are these things? What are these different yeah. things that are happening? Well, I mean, to be honest, when I watched, so like I got signed in the middle of the season and I, uh, honestly, up until that time, I didn't know much about Canada. Like I didn't even know that it was that cold in Edmonton, like, like literally a couple of days before I was like, you know, what? let me look up the weather. And I was like, wow, it's like 30 degrees over there. Let me, let me pack some coats and pants. Like, I didn't even know it was that cold. Um, but I showed up and I, and I went to the first game and honestly, I didn't even understand the rules as far as like the field goals and things like that. I didn't really understand that. But, um, as far as like the basics of football, I mean, like it's still, it's still football. I mean, the defense is a, you know, a yard off the ball and there's some stuff going on in the background, you know, with the receivers and the running backs, but, you know, all in all, it's still, you know, it's still tackle football. It's still blocking. It's still catching and throws and kicks. So, it's still the you know the game of football, just you know right. Canadian version. <laughs> right, right, right. Actually, I didn't even realize the CFL is older than the NFL. I didn't even know that. So isn't that crazy? I know, I know. It's mm-hmm. I, and and it's 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 crazy because I know and back all the way up, up until I think the '60s, just before the Super Bowl era, there would be like an AFC or an NFC team playing one of the CFL teams there. You know and. Uh, you know, it, it was interesting. I mean, now they, they, they haven't done that since the Super Bowl era. Like, they don't, you know, the NFL doesn't have time for all that. But I yeah. still, I'm still there going like, you know, this is legitimate football that goes right into like November, pretty much into American Thanksgiving is when the Grey Cup is happening. And uh, every Canadian is usually glued into this because it's like, hey, this is great. You know, we get to see this. It's too bad Winnipeg won again, whatever, but you know, like <laughs> back to back champs. But you know, you're playing you're playing on a storied, a storied uh team there in Edmonton. And uh I, I'm very excited for you. I'm very excited that you get to, you know, do what a lot of people wish that they can do. That's live out the dream playing the sport that they love, you know. Uh have you watched any hockey yet? Okay, so I was actually gonna go to an Oilers game my last week, and I ended up not going. I forgot why, because like some of my teammates went. I just ended up not. Going. I think I was tired, but I ended up not going. But um, so we have. I don't know if you heard of the Carolina Hurricanes. Have you heard of them? Yep. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. So like that. 
Yeah, so the Carolina Hurricane Stadium is literally right beside the Carter Finley Stadium, which is the football stadium at NC State. So, like, people love hockey down here. So, I've definitely seen some Hurricanes games. So, I wouldn't say I'm a hockey fan, but I, I will say I, I definitely like the sport. I mean, I like it. They get to fight and stuff, so it's kind of cool. <laughs> well, the funny thing is, like, Carolina, they won a cup even, right? They already won one Stanley Cup, which is amazing for an expansion team. Yeah. But they're not really an expansion team when you think about it because they were Hartford originally. But here they, they come on. They win a Stanley Cup after a while. But I think what put them on the map was when Don Cherry said that their fan base was a bunch of jerks. And they just seem to embrace yeah. yeah, they embrace that and it's kept on coming. We're the jerks, a bunch of jerks. It's like, <laughs> you know, that makes sense. I think that's one of their slogans. Yeah, I yeah. Slogans. <laughs> yeah. I actually never understood that slogan, but now you explain it, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Don Cherry came out, they're a bunch of jerks. And it's like they just embrace yeah. that. It's like, okay, yeah, we're we're jerks. <laughs> I mean, they're crazy, though. I mean, they like even when the games happen, like you see the fans like walking to the games. I guess a lot of them. So they're they take the hockey serious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, this season, they're no joke. They're they're cup contenders this season, too. You know, like, yeah. oh, yeah, they're they're doing amazing this season. Um, is, and, you know, they have our they have the Leafs old goaltender over there, Freddie Anderson. He's having a great season over there. Sebastian Ajo is amazing. I'm talking a lot of hockey, okay. throwing a lot of hockey stuff at you. Sorry. But- yeah. oh, no, I'm probably going to learn a little more. You know, I'm probably going to learn a little more about hockey. <laughs> well, you should definitely take it to Oilers game because the best player probably to play the game currently right now plays for the Edmonton Oilers there and Connor McDavid. So it's like, you know, although – uh, they're, I don't know, they, they turned it around. They fired their head coach. All of a sudden, they win four games, and the Pacific Division's a little weak, so they're back into the playoff hunt. So that's that's good for Edmonton, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I definitely will say Edmonton Oilers seems like the, the big team down there over the Elks. I mean, you know, when, when going out like that, people love the Oilers, man. Everybody has the jerseys on and things like that. So hockey's a big deal <laughs> down there. Oh, boy. I was just going to say, how do you feel about playing in Calgary? Because that's a bit of rivalry there with the uh, Calgary and Edmonton. In Alberta? No, I'm excited, man. I'm excited. We, luckily, well, you know, actually, I, I didn't get a chance to see that that game. But um, I'm definitely excited to to dip into that, you know, into that rivalry and see see what we can do. But, you know, I, mean, I think coming up this year, I mean, I, we, we have a great team and, you know, a, a new coach and um, a new GM. A new president, a, a new everybody. So, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of, yeah. You know, a ref- go in there and, you know, go out there and, you know, see what we can do. Well, I think last season, yeah, last season was definitely some sort of turning point, I think, for you guys. I mean, you know, they changed the name. So it was just a whole bunch of things that was happening. COVID, you're just coming off of COVID. Yeah. But I think this year is probably going to be a, a good one for Edmonton. There's always, you know, when you're moving in that kind of direction there, and I'm, I'm glad to see, I'm going to be following you. <laughs> so looking forward to some highlights there for sure. Um, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to be cheering for Edmonton, but I'm going to cheer for you. <laughs> I respect that too. I respect that <laughs> All right. Just one one last question I wanted to ask you here. What do you do in order to get ready to put yourself in the mindset to go out there 
and play this very violent, fast-paced game? What do you do? How do you get yourself prepared? Oh uh, man, well, mentally, you know, I just kind of. Well, first of all, I kind of think about my game too. Just think about exactly what I have to do going into the game. Um, but really, I just play some music, man, and just really um, think of things I've been through to kind of motivate me and push me to go get it. You know, so I kind of think about the things I've been through, and you know, when people, you know, thought you weren't good enough or thought you couldn't do it anymore, I kind of use those those thoughts um, to kind of fuel me um, and really go out there and, you know, try to do what I can, you know, because pe- pe- at the end of the day, the reality of life is people are going to, some people are going to sleep on you, some people are going to lay down on you, some people can't think you can do it, but that doesn't really matter. As long as you truly believe that you can do it and you believe in yourself, and you can truly do whatever you want to do. And I think, you know, I'm a living testament of that. And, uh, like I said, I got a lot of injuries and <clears throat> but the, some maybe like semester before my last year um, a doctor potentially told me I wasn't going to be able to play football anymore and I'm like dude what like <laughs> like that's not like no nah. like, like you know I made it this far I'm going to keep going and um, I really committed myself to you know the treatment room and staying in the treatment room and you know got better and like I said here I am now so you really just got to use that doubt to really feel you and, and push through it and go get it. Much respect on that, you know, and uh, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to the uh, opening season there coming up. Uh, looking forward to seeing you out in there in the field. And uh, maybe we can have you back on here as a guest again, you know, uh, especially, you, you sure know. Maybe after we play Toronto and, uh, and beat them, you can put me on. You can put me on here. <laughs> <laughs> I might be angry, but I'll, I'll, I'll still bring you on. Well, listen, it, thank you so much for taking some time here just to spend with us and and, and our listeners. Uh, really appreciate it, Emmanuel. Uh, I think you're a testament to what God can do, you know, with you. With you, you know, you 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 believe in yourself, and you believe that there is something that's supposed to happen within this. So, uh, no, to me, God bless you. Uh, I really hope you keep doing what you're doing. You keep trucking on, and I hope it's bigger and better for you coming up in the near future. There. No, I mean, look, thanks. I really appreciate it. You know, who would have thought that me turning around and talking to you in Toronto would have with attorney me being on the podcast. So look, man, I appreciate you, you know, letting me come on your platform and, and speak about my story. So thank you. Absolutely. Everybody is Emmanuel McGirt. Please make sure to look him up there. Okay. He's going to be playing for the Edmonton Elks. Have a look there in Edmonton area there. Don't sleep on these guys. They're going to be something. Uh, I'm not cheering for Edmonton, but I'll cheer for Emmanuel. But uh, don't sleep. Don't sleep on the Elks. All right. All good. <laughs> Take Thanks. it easy, my man. All right. And we are back. Everyone, hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Emmanuel and Sean. Hope you guys learned some things from there. Sean, what was your big takeaway from that interview? Man, I, I got to say right now, I mean, um, just the amount of uh, really heartbreak throughout his career going up forward, like with injuries and such, and then with his pro day being uh, kind of kibosh due to COVID – not having a chance to really show a lot of his stuff uh, when he ended up stating that he had to walk away from the game, but he kept himself in his faith, you know, that knowing that God had other things, 
you know, he ended up graduating. He was thankful for all that, started another job. And then all of a sudden gets calls from a spring league to come back. And then finally in the end, getting signed on with Edmonton. And uh, I'm just, I'm just looking for big things with him. He's 24, right? He's 24 years yeah, old. He's, he's still young, young, right? Yeah. That's exactly it. And I don't know if you've seen him play, but he had uh, this reel going on of all of his great blocks and such. And it's just like, I, I'm looking forward to making some noise in the uh, CFL. And Ed, Edmonton is a team not to sleep on this season. Like they they got some, they got, yeah. they got a whole new head coach, new quarterback. They have a, a new system going on. And if he's on that offensive tackle, he's going to be able to at least make some running lanes, I think for Edmonton and protect, keep that quarterback standing up. So, I mean, yeah, his film was big. I don't know if you guys touched on this or not, uh, but he won most physical coming out of high school. He was the nation's most physical offensive tackle or offensive lineman. That's like an award that he won, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So anyway, hope we'll be back on uh, man. We'd love to talk to you when you're here. I would love to talk to you. Hopefully Sean did his proper by not blowing us up too much, but. Yeah, yeah. And and also, I mean, I understand Emmanuel, you know, you had a dog, my Argos. I get it. But uh, like I said, I'm not cheering for Edmonton, but I'm gonna be cheering for you, buddy. You're your class act in my book. Class act. Yeah. I agree. But listen, you're the only one that roots for the Argos. I always root against it to you, so man, it was a good company. <laughs> hey man. I'm moving on. Sean. Yeah. Let's so talk about this there was something that happened this past weekend. Uh, yeah, the Super Bowl, maybe the most watched Super Bowl in history. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was I think interesting. It was the most watched halftime show in, in Super Bowl history. Let's Absolutely, I was first. just going to say. I think the halftime show was more entertaining than the Super Bowl. Quite honestly, yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think know. the game ended up being what we thought it would be, and we can talk about that in a second. But how great was the halftime show? Do you have any critiques at all? No. Uh, Man, people won. are just people are just horrid, horrid. I mean, fifty yeah. cent is now that's a whole dollar. Cool. Like, come on, that's re- come that's, on. That's real. That's really clever, though, right? You gotta think that's it really is. Funny. But still, it's I mean, mean you're t- it's mean, but it's funny, Sean. He's like he's like fifty years old, man. What are you expecting? He's gonna he's look. Not. Like- is he fifty already? Yeah, he was like 30 when he did Get Rich or Die Trying, at least in that area, right? 28, 29. I mean, yeah. Eminem is fifty as well. You know, like he's forty nine. Doctor Dre turns fifty today. I mean, they're all older, right? We should we get that? But I just thought, yeah. it, I think I thought that it was fun that that was the thing. They did him dirty by making him come up upside down like that. That just showed yeah, I know. I, 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 I get it. I understand why they did it. Is to like you know mimic the video, yeah. but it's like yo fifty no. <laughs> you know, but that was a big we surprise. Have a, we have a disconnect. Yeah, we have a disconnect as a generation because we all felt like it was a young halftime show, but really we're the old people. We used to be like, oh, Aerosmith's so old. Why are they playing the thing? But we're just that age now. Like, <laughs> Hey, listen, I was just appreciative of it. They were on point. Snoop, even though I know he smoked a big fat blunt, was on point with everything there. Uh, was that a surprise to you? Just, no, not at all. <laughs> no. You know, he was on I would point. Argue, I argue it's a surprise if he didn't. Yeah. And, and Mary. his entire life that way, right? Yeah, he wouldn't mess up otherwise. Mary J. Blige was amazing, by the way. I thought that she was amazing. Yeah. She she hit what she had a hit there. I was really impressed. And, you know, like, um, there's a lot of people thinking that there should have been more M. But I thought that was the right amount of M&M in there. And 
It was the right yeah. song. It was the right song. Yeah. You know, the whole and, thing was top show. Yeah, you know. My and only then, critique is that those sixty-four should have been bouncing. That's the only thing I have to say. The low riders on the front, those things at some point should have been. Uh, I hear that. I could, I could feel that. I mean, you know, like people they probably saying, couldn't do it. it. Probably would damage the turf, right? That's probably why they didn't do it. But like, yeah. still for me, that's my only critique. Well, like, you know, if anybody wants to talk about it, the only thing that would have topped it is you brought out Tupac, like in a hologram or something like that, you know? But, yeah. But, I don't know if that was that necessary? About, about a 10 minute, yeah. eight minute show. Like, do you have time for that? No, not at all. And, and that's the other thing, too, is that I wish that they could have went longer. <laughs> I wish they could have went longer because yeah. Yeah. Went to a, that was went more to entertaining than the game. The football game broke up. Yeah. yeah. It was, man, the game was interesting. I think, you know, largely. I think the Rams were on a runaway until OBJ got hurt. And then it took them a little bit to get over that crutch. But then, man, you know that Cooper Cup is all they had left. And how that last final drive, that was the Matt Stafford and Cooper Cup show. Sorry, Matthew Stafford, not Matt. Sorry, Matt. To you. Magic and Pat, man, him and Patrick Mahomes both. Like, just, oh, anyway. I'll stop. But I, I how do you not guard? Up. How do you not guard Cooper Cup? How do you guard Cooper Cup though? And that is the offensive player of the year. It's not an easy man to guard. And here's the thing: is that Cincinnati's defense was doing a great job. They needed some more rest, and Joe Burrows just couldn't give them any. He was three and out every time. Three and out. Three and out. Yeah. And seven, I think, seven or eight sacks by the end of the game. So yeah. that's where it and shows, like, okay, so you went after Jamar time. Chase, you went after Jamar Chase, but you had nothing to solidify your O-line, and it showed in this game. It showed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you've seen the final tape, but if Aaron Donald doesn't make that play and get the sack, Jamar Chase is wide-ass open for the game winner. Saw that. So Saw that. And I remember yelling at the screen, though, because I just wanted him to get rid of it. And it just seemed like yeah. – I don't know if he wasn't aware that he was under that much duress and pressure. He wasn't moving. He just tried to stay in the pocket well, all the time. He has, a, he has a sprained MCL. <laughs> yeah. Let's not forget that the last two series he was playing on a damaged knee and could barely walk. So there is that. There is that. I, I will agree with you. I mean, the Cincinnati's got no reason I think to if feel. You watch, if you go back and watch that last fourth down play, I think if his knee is healthy, he jets out to the right side to get those three yards and then keep going. He had no mobility. Yeah. But, you know, like I, that's why I they was play, just, right? so they're better with him yeah. in there at that speed than they are with their backup. And so they made the right decision to let him stay in. But Oh, absolutely. I mean, now. Cincinnati. Knowing we know now that his knee was sprained and banged up, is, it makes sense, you know. I think, yeah. you know, to be honest with you, I think Cincinnati has a better chance of getting back next year than the Rams do. I do, too. I mean, the Rams are going to come down like what you were stating. That you know, they have all this money now that they're going to have to be careful. And is Aaron Donald even going to come back? Because he was talking about retirement already. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, wow, if he retires, that's a big piece gone, you know? But, I mean, you know, here's, people here's were there the going, OBJ. dollars question, though, Sean. $55 million yeah. question. yeah. If you're Aaron I mean, Donald, o- do, you, do you walk away from $55 million? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, OBJ goes down and like all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, the Rams are in trouble. Are you kidding me? Are you forgetting? But they were. But they were, right? They were, but you're like people seem to be forgetting who was on that defensive side, who's on the offensive side. Like it's not like all of a sudden you're a one-trick pony. This is this is a team yeah. no, that was put together. Like Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, 
Uh, it was less of the loss of OBJ, and it was the it was how the loss happened. I think that there was a yeah. mental crutch that Los Angeles took watching OBJ that happened to OBJ because they all knew it was his ACL as soon as it happened, right? Yeah, like non-contact, that much pain. We kind of all did the math, so I think it took a while to rebound from it. Absolutely, uh, but, but overall, at the same right, hand, it was super entertaining Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, I mean, it went right down to the wire. Aaron Donald made the play. Uh, I'm sure there's nobody that was more happier than Aaron Donald making that play in order to solidify I, I that. Jalen Ramsey. Ramsey was more happy that he made that play. <laughs> yeah, he got burnt a lot, a lot in that Super Bowl. He was the burn on the end of the – like, he's, he fell down. So, Jamar Chase got on top of him, and then Jalen Ramsey slipped. There was nobody covering Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase yeah. went around him, and then he tripped. Jalen Ramsey tripped. And so, like, Jalen Ramsey is happier Aaron Donald made that sack because not now, a second. The touchdown for, say, uh, for St. Louis, for the Los Angeles Rams, just before, you know, since he got the ball back, where it was all those little – crazy penalties is just like eh that's not really a penalty but i understood why they called that one for pi because they just totally forgot to call the other one in the beginning of the third quarter where you see jalen rams he's just getting face masked it's like they just <laughs> they blew that call <laughs> oh yeah yeah that was a rough one <laughs> But I thought they made it up with that. It's like, you know, they have to do a makeup call, and then the rest of it was pretty – I mean, it was a pretty well-officiated game, really, at the end of the day. Yeah, I thought it was a super good game. I mean, it was one of the better Super Bowls in recent memory, for sure. I thought, yeah. you know. Yeah, for sure. It came down to what we agreed to be last episode, right? It's that uh, a defensive play was going to make the – was going to seal the victory or hold the victory on. That's what happened. So. Yeah, absolutely. Man, kudos to our Man. brain trust this being together. Look at that. I'm telling you, it was, it was something else. Hey, you've been uh, paying attention to some hockey there? Some hockey? No, I'm in the Midwest where they do not care. They care less here. They do, they do not care. They do I'm not lying. care. I've seen a little bit. You can tell me. You can tell me what's happening. I'll tell you what I feel about it. All right. So Jay Woodcroft became the new head coach for Edmonton Oilers. They won four games in a row. By winning those four games in a row, they're now in third in the Pacific Division, guaranteeing themselves a playoff spot. Are they going to stay there? Who knows? But they're they're making moves. And if you have a look at it as far as goal differential and goals for, they're, they're looking really good right now. Um, meanwhile, Montreal, finally, I think they, they snapped their longest losing streak in franchise history there. Um, I mean... Yay, Montreal. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. It's it's such a gong show over there. And uh, I, I was surprised. Like, I know trade deadline's coming up. There's going to be some pieces moving left, right, and center, you know. But what flavor What flavor of haterade are you drinking today, Sean? Flavor what? Haterade? What flavor of haterade do you have today? <laughs> I have coffee. Coffee-flavored Gatorade. Coffee-flavored haterade. <laughs> You know, Brad Marchand is trying to trying to get himself off that six game suspension there. Oh boy, that's not going to work. We've all seen the video. Uh, the it was a little crazy. Right. Yeah. yeah, but uh, I mean, you know, now we're we're coming close to the uh, NHL All Star Game. 
and uh, I mean, no, we already passed the NHL All Star Game. My 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 apologies. NHL trade deadline is coming up, and uh, you know, this is it. This is the last little bit of the season in order to make it. You know, in there, but there's there's like the season is at least entertaining this time around. I mean, besides Montreal not being really all that competitive, but overall, you're looking at. Matter. I mean, it's not like well, I guess if you have six teams in the league, it doesn't matter. But you know, those teams that suck. Oh yeah, yeah. You just like the, you just like you the know. dog on Montreal. That's all it is. Is that it? Is that- is that what I like I think, to do? I think you think that Ryan doesn't listen to our show and you're just going to get over on him. I think that's what you're <laughs> Is that what I like to do? I mean, honestly, I'm looking. Florida is a juggernaut. I mean, they look so good. Uh, Calgary is a big surprise to me this season. Like the Flames, I was not expecting that. And, and it's... It's just entertaining hockey right now. Like it, it seems to be like old 1980s hockey because we're just seeing some crazy scores happening, and I'm just like, wow, where, what is all happening here? But uh, you know, I'm so glad that we're getting 82 games. I'm glad that Toronto, well, Ontario, and the rest of Canada is at 50. percent Well, Ontario is all like these 50 percent capacity, so people can, can go back to games again because that was looking horrible for both NBA and NHL because it was just horrible. You're playing a game in Toronto and it's like, you know, 500 people. Yay! <laughs> Very good! <laughs> Especially with your fans. They're not vocal. Wow. Anyway. Wow. <clears throat> baseball is maybe going to happen. Maybe it's not. Owners are terrible. Support the players. Screw the owners. Hey, I'll tell you what. Baseball cannot afford another strike season. They cannot. No, they can't afford to be late. They can't afford to miss games, even let alone a full season. It took them you so know, long. They already to had come a bit back. of a black. Well, yeah, and they had a bit of a black eye over the pandemic, but everyone got it. But if this is how it comes out, and all the information's out there that you know, not treating the players fairly, and they've been job, I mean, they job the players in the last two contracts. The last ten years, the players have got the short end of the stick, right? So, yeah, the revenue is crazy. What the MLB is bringing in. Not sure. it, it, yeah, you're absolutely correct. I mean, even though if you have a look like Tampa's not drawing them in, which is another weird thing, eh? Uh, that uh, Major League Baseball pretty much put the kibosh on Tampa playing half their games in Montreal. is yeah. like, nope. <laughs> I think if they're upset about attendance, then they should either pressure that market to stack up or they should just let the team move. Yeah, I mean. Why punish everybody else? Yeah. And Montreal could definitely, I mean, they, they want baseball back there for sure. Yeah. Well, they got that terrible hockey team, so they're going to be fun. <laughs> I saw a meme about if Quebec gets another hockey team, then Montreal wants another one. It's like... <laughs> like an A and B squad? Oh, man. I don't know. I, I mean... get a C squad, and we'll see you later. So that's you know what, though? Jeez. Montreal's going to have to go through this. The Leafs have went through it so many times. Montreal needs to go through it, rebuild that team, rebuild that brand. Every franchise in every sport goes through it. It's just part of the name. Yeah. At least they just won. That's why the frustration's in. Great. That's it. Fine. That's it. You know, but Sean, uh, I'm looking forward Sean to the Lee. Leafs. The Leafs are looking good. Austin Matthews looks great. I mean, Mitch Marner he got his 400th point. Uh, 
They look great right now. Like, absolutely great. Jack Campbell's coming back into his own. Seattle, hey, you guys are doing stuff. Come on. You should feel good about the Kraken right now. We're at least competitive. You won 16 games. So, you know, you're doing okay. You're doing okay. We're doing okay. Doing okay. That's all we expected. You, That's all we expected. You know, you've, you've won seven more Buffalo. games than uh, Montreal. Yeah, than the defending champ. There you How go. many games have the Maple Leafs won? Uh, my Maple Leafs now have won 32 games. Okay. So, yeah. Almost triple. Not a big deal. Yeah. It's, it's, but here's the thing. Like, uh, the Maple Leafs... Between It'll them, be unfortunate when the Kraken and Maple Leafs meet in the Stanley Cup and we beat you. It'll be unfortunate for you. That, wow, well, you had to go there. Wow, man. Well, that brings us to our one. Oh no, it's not going to happen, right? It's not going to happen because Montreal's <laughs> not going to make the play. Not going to make the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> if history tells us anything, is that the Kraken have a better shot at making the Stanley Cup finals than the Maple Leafs do right now? All right, we'll wait until the end of the season. I think the Leafs are going to surprise a lot of people. So, yeah. Like Man. getting out of the first round, maybe. Listen, anyway, I sound like such a homer one on one. every time I I'm waving my Maple Leafs flag everywhere. I mean, I know I, it's 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 unfortunately I've been I've grew up on the Maple Leafs. Okay, I it's know. been a I'm not, I'm it's not been a long road being a homer. I'm just enjoy poking the bear. That's all. Oh man! All right, I guess this leads us to our one on one question. It does. You go first. All right. all right, all right. So you were reading Perry Lufko's book about Eddie Olchuk. Correct. How far have you gotten in that? A couple chapters. Okay. So you have not got to, because that was my question. What do you think of Harold Ballard as an owner? He was the owner of the Maple Leafs. Harold Ballard was George Steinbrenner before George Steinbrenner. He was Jerry Jones before Jerry Jones. And now this question is going to mean nothing to you because you didn't read into Harold Ballard. I didn't know that there was homework associated with that. But that's, <laughs> I will say this. Anyone named Harold is probably about their money and only about their money. So. <laughs> Am I on the nose there? Uh, you're pretty much on the nose. I mean, he made some... I mean, you would think that the GM was in charge of that team. Uh, no. Or the head coach was. No. The, no Harold Ballard, he had his fingers in everything. And calling down to the bench during the game and telling them how to what plays to run and all that kind of stuff. All the during doing. practice, he'd be there and telling John Brophy, it's like, why isn't that guy getting the ice time? Why aren't you making this guy? You know what I mean? Like he was basically yeah. writing up the lines. It's like... well, the rumor, the rumor is maybe it's not even a rumor, but is that Jerry Jones calls down from the skybox and tells was telling uh Jason Garrett what plays to run. Oh wow. I I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. No. No one's you know, surprised that. Man. Well, well, my one-on-one question, that was it. Uh, it's okay, though. Um, I'll, I'll ask it again when you've read about Harold Ballard. and, and feels, uh, feels like a cop-out, but okay. I'll do some research the next time. My question is less sports-related and more, you know, as they tend to be more fundamentally set in, you know, culture or hygiene or, you know, those types of things. Here's what I'd like to know. If you're chewing gum, right, and you are either drinking a beer or sitting down to eat, what do you do with that gum? Do you save it 
so you can put it back in when you're done with your meal, or do you throw it away? That gum's done. <laughs> that what gum is done. Flavor left? What if it has flavor left, though? What, what what is this? That stupid 1960s song there? Does your chewing gum lose its flavor on the bedpost overnight? No, no. I don't. I wasn't around in the 60s to know that song. I've never heard that until today. Uh, the answer is no. Does not. But you don't have a piece of gum like you just have got to the right texture and like the right chewing chompness, and then you just throw it away like it's trash. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's what you do with gum, Brad. <laughs> I bet you just chew any kind of gum, don't you? No, no, no. It's got to be spearmint. Come on now. But any brand, though, right? You don't have like a specific brand. Uh, yeah, I'm not really married to like, you know, like when I saw, um, what's his face there? Sean, uh, oh, Sean Payton there on New Orleans. And it had to be Juicy Fruit. Juicy Fruit. Juicy Fruit. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. No, no, no. identify no. with that? Well, I mean, I love gum, you know, gum's great, but uh, not enough, apparently. <laughs> Listen, gum is just like buses. There's always going to be another piece. There's always going to be another bus. Man, I just, I like to get mine chewed in like just the right amount. So it's just perfect just for like the right, you know. Are you the same with your underwear perfect. as well? No, not at all. Oh, I change okay. that joke for oh. at least once a day. Okay. All right. Like if, even if you have a underwear that's just so form fitting, but it's got holes, I don't care. I'm gonna wear it still. Yeah. No, I don't do. I don't do that because I get a hole <laughs> in the trash. <laughs> Same with socks. I don't wear holes in my socks or my drawers. Yeah. Yeah. Too proper. Too proper for that. Yeah. Well, somebody else now is watching. If I get an accident and they have to like take my pants off, I don't want to be like, you know, them to think less of me. To save my life because like oh this guy doesn't give a shit look at him look at those holy those holy boxers you know i want real chest impressions and the good blood transfusion you gotta be proper look at you thinking in the future <laughs> just yeah, thinking uh, <laughs> it's all how you show up sean dress for the service you want not the service you deserve On that note, <laughs> I think that brings us to another end of Guys Beer Sports. Till next time, kids. Be good or be good at it. Righto. I say righto. Yeah, I kind of like that, uh, that close. You've listened to the podcast, but now it's time to visit us in our virtual sports bar. Get all of our info at guysbeersports.com, where you can find all the ways to connect with us. Watch for live conversations with Brad and Sean that happen throughout the week, and join in with your favorite local beer. You can share your thoughts in the conversation comments with your own uploaded videos, or even join us as a guest live commentator. The GBS Virtual Sports Bar is open for business. Come on in, boys and girls.